Good morning. So today we're going to present this project about uh, documentation of the Burqa uh, section or province as an example, and uh, the presentation is going to be with Dr. Salih Al Agab, and he's going to uh, deliver the first presentation, and then after that I will speak in order to speak about documentation. Yes, Mr. Salah, please. Salam alaikum and good morning in French also. So in reality, it is, I'm very happy to be uh, among you today in this, uh, uh, and the, in this uh, very interesting, uh, uh, of course, event. And I'd like to thank the UNESCO uh, organization for actually making this possible and uh, in order to protect, of course, heritage in Libya and in Tunisia. And um, I'd like to thank the, in, uh, the National Institute for Heritage, which is participating also in this program and which, uh, which is hosting us in Tunisia. Our second country, actually, Tunisia, has a lot of specialists and we know them and we contacted them and we actually have been working with them, like uh, Professor Mohamed Fantar and Professor Aisha bin Abed and Dr. Dridi. And I believe that he, he is now in Switzerland, but uh, I actually interacted with him in terms of uh, our work and, and he promised to participate in our activities in West Libya. Also the foundation or the MENA project. The MENA project actually, we'd like to thank them because the they actually made it possible to work with, uh, with Tunisians, Tunisians and Libyans to work together, although they are so close to each other. And this actually made it possible, as I said. So, Emina, in, if we try to translate it in, in Arabic and to make it, to convert it into Amina, Amina, which would be secured, and to be actually uh, trustful also. That's the meaning of Amina in Arabic, and I hope that these young people from Tunisia and from Libya will be trustful and will be caring for our heritage. Also, since I am the technical advisor of uh, the department, I'd like to uh, convey the uh, welcoming and the greetings of all the uh, employees and of all the workers in our department and uh, when they are looking forward to the results of these works. So we're going to speak about documentation as a tool for the protection of heritage and uh, our work as a model work. And, uh, and it's not going to be absolutely positive, as my colleague said, and we, because we are facing a lot of challenges and that's what we're going to speak about in this presentation. So in the picture you see here, uh, the documentation started before, and in the, uh, the picture below you can see the Pashu, the French, uh, actually Voyager, who uh, actually made, uh, docu who documented some of, the, some of the areas, and we want also to document 
or we're using documentation and written documents uh, by Mr. Abd, Abd Sayed and other people who worked in the uh, Department of uh, Antiquities and who actually made a lot of documentation and then this uh, uh, developed into uh, using uh, te new technologies and electronic technologies and, and also using the GIS in documentation or in the documentation of some of these sites. So uh, the cultural heritage in the Kirinaika uh, or Kirinaiki uh, section, and, uh, of course, there are a lot of uh, entries and a lot of uh, a lot of these gates which are uh, in the desert, in a very, and also the, without, without having a without, we have a very rich actually cultural heritage. And which is not discovered, and we don't have enough projects uh, to uh, document it and to protect it in the right way, in an accurate way. So we have a vast uh, heritage, like this gate, for example, close to Corini. The different uh, forms of heritage in Kirinaiki are uh, tangible, intangible, uh, natural, and cultural. So these are the forms. So we have uh, uh, tangible, like uh, uh, artifacts and also buildings. Intangible, like uh, poetry, music, customs, habits, uh, and all these, of course, with, that we folklore, uh, which needs to be documented also. Also, there is cultural and natural heritage, like, for example, uh, streams, uh, uh, water springs, deserts. And then when it comes to time, uh, it, it covers most uh, eras and ages in the uh, Jabal Akhdar, for example. And Cambridge, uh, the University of Cambridge studies uh, show, showed that about uh, over 120 years, uh, 120,000 years of history. And also even uh, for modern times, like the uh, Second World War, which uh, took place also in these, er in these areas. And there is no place in Libya that doesn't have any cultural heritage. So cultural heritage is, is everywhere. And then when we speak about the tangible uh, tangible uh, heritage, like uh, the, this picture, which is taken in uh, Corini, also we have uh, uh, artifacts like uh, this one. And here we have a jar, a colored jar. Also folklore, as we said, music, and the use of uh, this sort of uh, musical instrument, Zumara, we call it in, 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 in uh, Libyan, and uh, it's very rare we don't find it in other places. And this is about intangible heritage, of course, and then na nature, natural and cultural. And this is a natural site, but also in this cavern, there are also there were also some uh, uh, traces uh, that go back to 120,000 years, as we said, one of the oldest on the Mediterranean basin. There are challenges actually that face the this heritage, natural challenges like in climate uh, climate change, and there are also human challenges which are even more dangerous. And here we could actually uh, speak about uh, uh, the challenge related to the understanding the value of, uh, of such heritage. 
because when w w this heritage was discovered first by Italians, and Italians used this uh, uh, heritage in order to uh, justify their occupation of the country. So this is why people in Libya started to think that this is that heritage, heritage is a problem because the, her the, the heritage led uh, the Italians to, to 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 go on war in Libya, etc. Et so this is why uh, the relationship between citizens and heritage became not really a harmonious relationship because of this and uh, and there is also the ideological explanation of such terror uh, and that the, for example ideological and religious that this uh, heritage is related to paganism uh, etc so all this should be understood and should be explained to people also there are challenges related to awareness uh, and consciousness and because so uh, we don't have uh, the necessary awareness about the importance of this heritage and uh, and uh, people cannot protect something something that they do not really appreciate and there is also challenge related to administration and most uh, this is of course uh, we have a bad management of most of the uh, of the sites in libya and the administration in libya is old it dates back to 1912, our department, for example, and, uh, and, and, it, and it is still managed in the same way, traditional way, old way. So it is se almost separated from reality. It is an institution that is separated from other institutions and from reality. And this is, of course, uh, it represents a very big problem in the protection of heritage. We also have, of course, uh, arbitrary uh, 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 excavations, and we also have uh, the uh, the threat of uh, construction and buildings, and we have also wars, the threat of wars, and this is, uh, of course, that uh, something that Fatih spoke about, like uh, the uh, the traces of. Uh, uh, in uh, in this area where uh, the, the site was used as a cemetery for the war. Also, there are also some changes that happened in uh, heritage, cultural heritage, transformations that uh, uh, after, of course, the uh, adoption of uh, new policies, when uh, the new direction of the state started to uh, pay attention to heritage, and Mr. Shahat, for example, who and the, the Shahat project in order to take care of a very big geographical area in order to protect the cultural heritage in that place. And also, for starting from 2010, we started with a strategy in order to protect the culture in the department in order to protect the heritage. And with Dr. Bouzayan, Hamda, and all the colleagues who participated in this strategy, also, we uh, actually profited from the lessons, the hard lessons that we learned in the past, uh, mainly in 2011, because some artifacts were stolen and some treasures, like the Benghazi treasure, which were, was uh, uh, stolen. Uh, over 10,000 artifacts were stolen, and most of them were made of gold and silver. Also, there were other challenges when uh, the, uh, after the events in Syria, there were uh, other challenges started, and this is why we actually profited from uh, such lessons in order to protect our culture. We also adopted uh, partially a strategy in order to protect culture, 
and heritage. It's the strategy that uh, was elaborated in Tunisia in February 2012. And we ado partially adopted it in the execution of uh, the management of, culture, uh, of cultural heritage in Libya. There was also, in 2012, an, uh, a call in order to protect, a call for the protection of Libyan heritage. And uh, with the, uh, the workshop on Libya uh, digital age, in order to protect culture heritage. And also, uh, there was uh, the reinforcement of capacities in, uh, with international organizations and in the international community in order to do the sorting of such artifacts and such cultural heritage. So partial uh, adoption of the strategy, for example, in the, uh, there were the general directions that have been established, also an office for documentation, another general direction for the protection, and another center for archiving and documentation. These were created recently, and this is concerning the uh, Office uh, for uh, Documentation and Information that uh, my colleague is going to speak about. I'm going to speak about this Office for Documentation and Information, like Dr. Saleh said, which was part of the strategy of the department, and this is an office in order to document the cultural heritage in, uh, through digitalization and using the data and trying to treat them and also uh, giving assistance to uh, scholars and according to their interests and uh, through giving uh, uh, direct uh, research services. This is concerning the office. Uh, our vision or our message and then our objectives. Our vision is to promote information and access to information. And the message is to give uh, better services, information services, and to uh, also provide uh, the access to such uh, services and uh, concerning the objectives, although they are very huge uh, objectives, and I First of all, to create a, an information system that is complete and for uh, cultural heritage in uh, Libya and also to develop and to encourage people in, ter uh, in order to, uh, for, for digitalization. And here, this is what the young people are working and have been working on. And what does the office give? Or provide. It's of course to collect and to protect and also to analyze data related to cultural heritage. It also gives reports and booklets on cultural heritage in order to help adopt and elaborate policies in order to protect the heritage. Management of databases. And the last point is to work uh, for the creation of uh, an electronic system for all the uh, information related to cultural heritage. And I hope we will be able to do that, even if we started with a small office that will be transformed into a big center, big foundation, big institution, I hope. And Dr. Saleh could actually speak about this. And this is a model that we try to uh, create uh, using the information available and uh, or, or even if it, they were uh, administrative and registered data in Barqa, for example, this is, uh, these uh, pieces of information and these data were still scarce, but uh, we are working on it. And this is just a preliminary attempt. And I hope it is the beginning of a, a serious uh, process in order to, uh, uh, to cover all more sites. And Dr. Saleh is going to carry on with the policies related, uh, adopted by the, uh, by the, by the department. 
one of them, one of the policies are, now you're going to move the mic many times. This is what he said. So it's to start sorting the, uh, uh, the depositories and also the museums. Like, for example, when we speak about, uh, uh, for example, glass artifacts, they were 9,195. And uh, what, what were documented out of this number was 6,500, 6, as you can see. A concern in, uh, uh, for example, paintings and, uh, and uh, uh, maps, and they, they were actually registered, all of them, 5,000, as you can see, when we speak about uh, maps. American maps. And there was a library that included about 15,000 uh, books. Uh, we actually registered electronically 51 out of them. So, uh, for example, uh, rare books like uh, the Vinci Brothers, uh, Voyages, and other very old books which have been converted into electronic copies. Also, we started by making a sorting of all the, uh, the, 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 the stocks, and, uh, and the, we have a lot of uh, artifacts, 8,000 artifacts in one site, and clay artifacts uh, over with 10,000 pieces. And in these museums, and, uh, and, and uh, we, we can see the big number of artifacts that uh, still require more registration electronically. And uh, this is what uh, the project uh, the, the, Anna Luni is doing. So when we speak about the sites, we, of course, there were past efforts to, be, uh, to document such uh, sites using uh, classic uh, methods, but now with Amina, we, we want, of course, to register a bigger number than this that you have. It's, uh, as you can see, it's only 500 sites that you can see, but we want to cover more. This is some of the pictures about the activities that we have done before the challenges. This is during fear, the time of fear when we were afraid of losing them. And uh, through working with a lot of colleagues inside the country and, uh, and abroad in order to, uh, to achieve what we, you can see in the picture. So you can see, of course, the artifacts and how they were stocked in this very bad way. And now this place is like this. And we thank Professor, the curator, Shahat, who is in charge of this site which is an excellent site. Also, when we speak about mosaics, and we started, of course, restoration and, uh, uh, in order to protect them and to document them. These are the classic methods used in order to uh, restore and to protect these uh, artifacts. And, uh, and then it started to develop after training sessions through, of course, these projects for the protection of culture during crisis and uh, armed crisis. And you can see how it started to develop and uh, started to conform to international standards. Uh, archiving, as you can see in the past, this is the picture in the past in uh, boxes. And now it's the new picture that you can see. Uh, files, folders, and archives, they became like this. This is the transformation. So also, of course, there were good and extensive training with international organizations and universities, American universities, like Oberlin and, 
and also other uh, American foundations and institutions which helped also British uh, universities like uh, the King's College, Oxford, Cambridge, they all helped. Also French universities, Poitiers, uh, etc. And also Italian, many, many Italian universities, Napoli, Urbino, a lot of uh, Italian universities helped. The UNESCO also helped and they started with 21. Uh, on the 21st of August, uh, they started to work and to help us. Also, the ICROM uh, organization and Mr. Zaki, and uh, they were among those who helped us in making a lot of projects of protection. Also, Mosaicon. And we here speak about Mr. Aisha bin Ahmed. And we have one of the best uh, groups of, uh, or, uh, uh, for the restoration of mosaics using uh, new technologies. Non-governmental organizations like a Klaus Fund, Heritage Fund, and many other foundations. Uh, this is during the training in the US for trainers from all Libya, in terms of museums, of course. And also in Italy, a lot of Libyan uh, technicians here last uh, month were in Italy and worked on uh, restoration of mosaics. And here, uh, the, uh, the non-governmental organizations like, for example, the restoration and documentation of Ghabroub, uh, Jarboub uh, site. And we have 100, uh, Libyan staff, 100%, who worked on the documentation, protection, and uh, rehabilitation of the site. The protection, uh, documentation, and uh, rehabilitation of the Qiqib Museum. And also, uh, the same thing for the Qasr site, Qasr Libya site. And it is a very, uh, uh, an excellent museum of mosaics. And also the same thing for the Kufra sites uh, on the uh, Egyptian-Libyan uh, borders. And of course, as you know, the Libyan territory is so vast. Also, the project for the Qashla, the Ottoman Qashla in Benghazi. So all these projects and concerning the accomplishments, it's of course to document in, in the future, future ambitions. We want of course to document all museums and, uh, uh, and also uh, storing houses and uh, also to, to, to train all the, the teams uh, in the museums and in uh, sensitization team. And we started with a project in Barqa and it, it, there was a complete survey of uh, all these areas. Uh, in collaboration with our uh, Tunisian colleagues and also concerning museums, we have specialized teams concerning uh, the restoration of uh, Frosco, and this was started last week, actually, in this uh, area where, uh, with this platform that has been restored completely. And the, uh, the training of teams, museum teams, in terms of sensitization, we had a lot of workshops for sensitization, not only for common people, but also for security forces, for customs officers, passport departments, and criminal uh, officers, uh, etc. in order, of course, to fight uh, the smuggling and the uh, trafficking of artifacts. Thank you very much for your attention, and I hope this was uh, fruitful.